just a brief recap. I, I kind of did that as we were opening up here and doing an intro. But just if you if you haven't been with us, or it's always good to kind of get a little refresher, right? I mean, we see this even on television. You 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 got your your show that you watch maybe, and you turn it on. Maybe it's on your DVR or whatever you may do, right? And it says previously on, right? It says last week on because, hey man, let's face it. We're all doing a million things. We got our minds are pulled in a million directions. There's all these distractions. We easily forget. What happened just a week ago, right? I mean, I forget what happened this morning or yesterday, right? And so it's good to do a little recap. So this is what we've seen so far in the Gospel of John chapter 6, right? We saw this miracle, this miraculous feeding of the multitude. Now, many know it as the feeding of the 5,000. We know that there was 5,000 men, but there were those who were not counted, right? The, the women, the children, that number could add up real quickly. Some say maybe 15, 20, even 25,000 were there, fed miraculously, right? With just a little bit that that lad brought forward, right? And, and, and all these that are going to come seeking after Jesus in our section tonight, they witnessed that miracle. They saw his miraculous multiplication, right? They saw that he fed, and they were inspired, and they were, 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 were thinking to a prophecy that Moses had given in Deuteronomy 18, right? That another prophet was going to come that was similar to Moses, but was greater than Moses. And they thought of that because Jesus did the same thing in a way. What Moses had done, he fed the children of Israel miraculously in the wilderness with what? The manna. Remember the manna that fell from the sky? So they instantly kind of put the pieces together and thought back to that. And we're going to touch on that again here Tonight, And then we saw his disciples, he sent them, right? because, see, when the people saw that, just as people are, you know, we're, we're quick to say, hey, you can do something for me, I'll make you, you know, I'll give you a good position. They wanted to make him a worldly king, Jesus. And, and they weren't seeing the, the, the spiritual side, they're seeing the physical side. They're like, hey, well, Moses delivered us from the oppression of Egypt. Maybe Jesus came to deliver us from the oppression of Rome. And they were looking at the political level of things, a man-driven level of things. And, and Jesus is like, man, I'm not really into that, the fame thing and, and the politics thing. I'm going to get away. And what did he do? He got up into the mountains and he prayed. And, and he sent his disciples to go across the sea. And we read in last week's study, they hit a great storm, right? And they were freaking out. They were scared. They, the, and, and the synoptic gospels, the other gospels, right, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we saw that they thought he was a ghost. And that they're like, oh no, that's, that was a fisherman's tale. If you saw a ghost in the middle of the storm, that meant it was good night. Lights out, you're dead, right? So they were freaking out. They were scared. But he came there walking on water and he said, do not be afraid. It is I. And this is what we said. Hey man, this is what Jesus is saying to you in the midst of your storm right now. He's like, don't trip. I got you. It's me. I'm in control of this storm. Right? I probably, we see that he's not only the stealer, the calmer of the storm, but also the sender of the storm. A lot of times he's working through the storm in our lives. He's using the storm to perfect us, to correct us, to direct us. Right? For guidance, for the process. He's what? Preparing us for eternity. Okay? And so now we're going to pick up after seeing these things. We saw gloriously at the end of that section that they willingly 
received him into the boat. And I pose that question to you guys and to anybody that's listening to this, right? Have you willingly received him into your boat? Right? And there, you know, there's, there's different levels of that in a sense of, yeah, I've, I've surrendered my life, right? I, I've, 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 I've asked God to come into my heart, Christ to come into my life and, and be my Lord and Savior. But I asked, is there some other boats in your life maybe that you haven't quite let him in? He's, he's on the outside looking in, in a sense, right? And we, we want to do that when we look at the Word of God. We want it to, not only, not only that we read it, but that it would read us as well. That we'd be evaluating ourselves, right? That we'd be washed by the Word of God. That all the things that don't need to be there would just get cleansed out. And we would see, just as Mike was saying, right, who we are in His eyes. So we're going to pick up here in verse 22. I want to ask you guys, if you could, to just stand as we read from the Word of God. And the reason we do this is we want to give reverence to the Word of God. We want to acknowledge, man, hey, we're not just reading from a book. We're hearing the voice of God, and that's exciting, right? That's something I, I can stand for that. I, I'm, I'm willing to, to stand for that and say, hey, this is, I'm going to acknowledge that. I'm going to acknowledge Him right now in this time. Okay, so we're going to pick up right here in verse 22, the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 22. And the Word says, on the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, or meanwhile, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. Remember that? When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Or how did you get here, man? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and you were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal on Him. And then they said to Him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him who He sent. Therefore they said to Him, what sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe it? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to Him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe let's stop there and pray 
Oh, Lord, we thank you right now for your word. Lord, we pray that we would totally be opened up to hear from you. We ask that you would speak from your word, Lord, right here in this place tonight, Lord. Let us hear from you, Lord, truly. We know that you are here because your word tells us where two or more are gathered in your name, that you are here in our midst. Wow, Lord, you are present right here with us, Lord. Let us seek after your presence. Hey, not the ones under the Christmas tree. Not the gifts, but you, Lord, the giver. That's our heart here tonight, Lord. I pray you would just be totally revealed, glorified, and magnified, Lord, in this place. In Jesus' name. And all of God's children agree with that by saying, Amen. 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 Let's dig in here, guys. In the Gospel of John, Jesus makes seven I am statements. And I'll, I'll, I'll briefly share those statements with you. Right here in John chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. In just a couple chapters in John chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 10, verse 9, he says, I am the door. By me, if any man enters in, he shall be saved. Also in John chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And then in John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me or believeth in me, though he dies, he shall live. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And finally, in John chapter 15, verse 1, he says, I am the true vine. Are you plugged into that vine? This is how we know we're plugged into Him. If, if we're plugged into the true vine, then there's fruit coming forth in our life, right? That's the evidence. Hey, it's not the way that we're saved. It's not the method to getting saved, but it's evidence. It's proof of it, right? That, that there's fruit coming out of our life. There's, there's things happening, right? There's people being blessed. There's love coming, what, to us and through us. These are the I am statements. But let's get into this here. In verse 22, so on the following day, the following day of what? Right after, the day after that miracle, that miraculous feeding of the multitude. So right on the next day, okay, the people were standing on the other side of the sea and they saw that there was no boat there except the one the disciples had got in. And that they know Jesus didn't get in that boat. They saw the disciples leave. Hey, Jesus had already took off and gone up into the mountains to get alone. Right? And, we, and remember we looked at this. Hey, when you're going through it, what do you do? Do you, do you, do you, do you get away and get that one-on-one -on -one time with God? That's, that's the model here that we're given by Jesus. Right? Not that we would run to anything else to kind of numb us or to, to, to kind of... Uh, cover up our pain for a little while to distract us. No, but that we would get away with our Heavenly Father and have that one-on-one -on -one fellowship with Him. Jesus had gone. He was not in that boat. So they knew that was clear. Just kind of listing the facts here, right? But His disciples had gone away without Him. Okay, the people took note of that. However, okay, or meanwhile, so there was no boats there. But then they see that some boats had come across. It's very likely since the wind we knew in that storm was blowing right in the face of the disciples as they were trying to go. They, they fought all night 
pushing those oars that they could get only, what, three or four miles in a whole night's time, right? They were going right against the wind. And we evaluated that. We looked at that. We said, hey, man, I can be right in the will of God, being obedient to Him, and still find myself in storms. Hey, just because we're born again Christians, just because we're plugged into Him, and just because we're obedient to Him, doesn't mean that's all smooth sailing, right? We know there's going to be some ups and downs. Hey, but we know that in the storm, He is with us. And we can have what? Peace in the middle of the storm. Isn't that beautiful? Doesn't mean we're not going to go through it, we have him he said hey in this world you're gonna have tribulation but be of good cheer or take heart because i he says i jesus have overcome this world right so they saw that other boats had come they had probably blown with the winds that were blowing against the faces of the disciples and they blew these boats there okay and they saw that they took note of that and this is in the same location there where those grassy plains were. Remember, it was right around Easter time. It was the springtime, the Passover time, right? And they, they remembered that in their mind, that this is the same spot where he had what? He had given thanks. He took the bread and he gave thanks. What a great uh, thing for us to do is just to, when we eat, right, to give thanks to God every time, right? It's, just, it's, it's, it's not like it's an obligation or it's a requirement or it's a mandated part of a religion or something like that. No, it's just, hey man, if I'm putting something in my body, I'm going to acknowledge that He's given it to me. He's provided it. The clothes on my back, the roof over my head, the gas in the tank, whatever it is, I'm thankful because I acknowledge the giver. Hey, I'm thankful for the gifts, but I'm more thankful for the giver, to the giver, right? So they're taking note of these things and they saw that Jesus was not there. They're like, where did He go? They're interested. Hey, he, he sparked something in them. He fed them. Right? You want to get someone's attention? You feed them. Right? And maybe, hey, it's the next day. Maybe they're getting hungry again. They're like, hey, man, that guy's good for a meal at least. Right? This is the funny thing about food or anything of this world. Is, man, you could, it, we saw the, the Greek word for filled. They were glutted. Like they were stuffed, man. They couldn't even, they probably never wanted to see bread or fish again. Or that's what they thought. Have you ever ate that much? You sit there, you're like, man, I am never, I'm good for a week. No, but what happens? A couple hours later, you're ready to eat again, right? Never really lasts, right? Nothing really satisfies us for any sustaining amount of time, okay? So they're, they're looking for him. They're like, where is he? They didn't see him. They didn't see the disciples, right? But they got into those boats that had kind of blown over there to Tiberias, right there on the Sea of Galilee, and they sailed up there to Capernaum. Capernaum's on the, the northwest coast of the Sea of Galilee there. And what were they doing? They were seeking Jesus. Now that sounds great. Sounds awesome. Man, we, we, we want to be people who are seeking Jesus. Well, we want to inspire and encourage people to seek Jesus. But we're going to see that their motives, their motivation was a little off, right? And, and this is something that we should take note of ourselves like, hey, what's my motivation, man? What am I seeking Jesus after? Right now, look at this. They come to him. They found him. Where? In Capernaum. And this actually takes place in the synagogue in Capernaum, right? Now, they've come to him, remember, because he fed them. And they've come maybe looking for the next meal the next gift the next 
blessing. And, and I want us to just kind of take note. Or do we do that? Hey, do we just come to God when it's time like to rub the lamp like he's a genie or something? Hey, God, I, it's me again. I need this now. You know, like that, that's kind of the attitude, the spirit of these people in a way, right? And they found him there. And what did they say? They said, Rabbi, which means literally teacher. Teacher, when did you come here? Well, they didn't know that he walked on water, right? They didn't, they didn't witness that miracle. And you know, it's interesting that Jesus didn't answer them and say, Hey man, didn't you see me? I've been moonwalking across the whole Sea of Galilee right here all night. Like he didn't kind of like, he didn't floss on them. He didn't say like, man, look at me. He wasn't a me, 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 look at me. Like most leadership or, or royalty or kings that we see. We even see this all throughout the Bible, right? This type of mentality. And like I was saying last week, hey, we turn on the television and we see there's a presidential election or campaign going on right now, right? We can kind of see that whole attitude in there. <laughs> me, 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 right? Look at me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. A lot of promises. A lot of campaigning, right? A lot of self-advertising. That's not the way that Jesus carried himself. He said, I came in the name of my Father. If I would have came in my own name, right? He said, there's going to be someone who comes in his own name. He was speaking of the Antichrist, right? This smooth salesman. So he, listen, look at this. Jesus answers to, answers to them. Now they're asking him, how did you get here? How can it be? We, we saw you there. We didn't see you. Then you're over here. We saw the disciples take off. You weren't in the boat with them. What's up? And Jesus totally ignores the questions. I love that. I love when he does that. I love when he totally ignores my stupid questions. But I want, I want us to be encouraged by this. You guys, do you ever not come to the Lord in prayer because you're like, that's stupid. Oh, I don't want to say that. I don't even want to ask him for that. It's, it's too small. It's too, it's too dumb. It's, 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 or he wouldn't understand as if, as if that's remotely true, that he wouldn't understand, right? Do you ever do that? Do you ever like kind of hold back and say, I'm not going to bring this to God. Do you know that he sees all, knows all? Anyways. And what I, what I get right here, what I see right here, is no matter, the, they came with a bunch of dumb questions. And he just, he read them like books. He, he looked right to their hearts. He looked into them and saw their motivation. And he spoke directly to that. Hey, you can come to God with all the wrong words all the wrong approach and he'll respond to you exactly at the heart of the matter how does God speak to us well many ways right most clearly I think through his word right he speaks to us also through other believers through other people right and if we're sensitive to hear these things we hear them by the Holy Spirit and Jesus answered verse 26 to them and said verily verily truthfully truthfully I love when he says it's the it's the double amen is what it's considered. He says, most assuredly, please believe it. I'm not lying right here. Don't miss this. These are all the kind of things he's saying right here. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and you were filled. Right? You came to give more bread. And, and, and. And Jesus is a little disappointed in the sense that he knows what's going to happen, but he wants us, you guys, to come after him for him. 
Hey, if we see miracles happen in our lives, hey, many of us have. Many of our testimonies are miracles in and of themselves, right? If you see miracles, does it cause you to come to Him to ask for more miracles? Or does it cause you to draw close to Him, to know Him, to love Him for Him, right? This is the comparison. Are we seeking Him for the gifts? Are we coming for the giver, right? His presence, being with Him, abiding in Him, or His presence that He can give us, the P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. Which is it? We have to evaluate this. This is, this is what He's talking about. Are we seeking His hand of blessing, or are we seeking the intimacy of His face and having a true relationship involving Him in every level of our lives, right? Inviting Him into every boat that we set foot in. This is the question. And this is what He's, he's telling them. Hey, you guys got the wrong motivation here. It's not about so much what I can do for you, contrary to what most TV preachers might tell you, right? If you send your little seed money right here, <laughs> then this is going to happen for you. Hey, man, God wants to bless you. Of course He does. But the, the way that he blesses us is so much greater than any material thing that we could imagine. It's on a spiritual level, right? And he takes care of his children like any father would, right? We know that if we're fathers in here, hey, man, I'm going to take care of my child. I'm going to meet their needs, of course. He does that. But the greatest blessing that he gives is his presence, his embrace, his face, don't miss that, guys. And in verse 27, Jesus tells them, he says, do not labor for the food. And they're still thinking about food, right? If they just had that meal, they're still thinking about what they can put in, right? Do not labor. Do not work for the food that perishes. Hey, stop looking at the temporal, at the physical, do not labor for that which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. He's starting to go somewhere here. He's talking about eternity, right? But what is this food? What is this food that he's, he's speaking of? You know, if you, if you've, I, back in the day, I used to go to the track a lot, right? The horse track, even the dog track a couple times. And, and if you've ever seen dog races, the greyhounds, right? They put this little fake rabbit on the inside of the track and they launch off the, the, the hounds and they're chasing out, they're trying to get that rabbit, right? They're trying to get it. But what would happen if they caught it? They'd be disappointed, wouldn't they? they well, they'd bite into it and they'd probably break all their teeth out because it's metal. It's mechanical, right? Isn't this kind of like our culture now, our life? We're chasing after that rabbit. Where if I could only get this, if I could only possess this, if I could only have this material thing, but what happens when we catch it? Usually breaks our teeth out, right? It usually ruins us. Hey, we don't have to look much farther than the celebrities, the people who are famous to see that. So many lives devastated. But so many of people who are outside of that bubble are trying to get in it and get to that very thing that devastates and is empty. It's kind of like cotton candy. You know, cotton candy. I mean, I like to take the kids to Disneyland. And, you know, they're like, cotton candy. They're like, they're in the real into churros right now. But 
That doesn't work for this illustration. <laughs> cotton candy is big and fluffy, right? And you get it. But what happens when you bite cotton candy? It's like, like you're eating nothing. It just dissolves in your mouth. There's, there's no substance there. Well, this is just like the things of the world, right? That we're chasing after. Maybe it's fame or it's, or it's popularity or it's just public opinion or maybe it's money or material possessions or a title, right? Just to be lifted up in the, in the eyes of men. Maybe it's just, you know, impeccable health and, and all these things and many of these things are, are not bad in and of themselves, but have we made them the center of our lives? Have we made them our motivation? Have we made them? Our bread. And that's the question here. Look at this. The food which endures to everlasting life. Listen to this. Which the Son of Man, speaking of Himself, Jesus is, will give you. Because God the Father has set His seal on Him. Is he back in those times, a baker, when he would bake a loaf of bread, he would put his seal on it. There's a little sandwich shop in Mentone. It's bomb too. Hesca's. Have you guys tried Hesca's? This little hidden place. It looks like it's a house. But you go in there and they have these great sandwiches. And she, it's the bread. Isn't, the, isn't that always what it is with sandwiches? It's the bread, right? Yeah. But she puts her little emblem on the bread. And I think it's so cool. It's kind of old school. And that's what I saw. I, I even wrote that in my Bible. Hesca's bread. because Look it. The Father, God the Father has set his seal upon who? Jesus. Isn't that what it is? He's been, he's been appointed. He's been anointed. If we want to know anything about God the Father, all we have to do is simply look at Christ. God the Son. The perfect manifestation. The perfect expression. The perfect embodiment. The perfect materialization of who God is is found in none other than Jesus Christ. And people for all man's history have been looking for who is God? What is He like? And Jesus is like, Hello? Look here, look no farther, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me, right? I'm the door. I'm the way in. I'm knocking. Will you open it? This is what he says to all of us, right? God the Father has set his seal on them. Look at this in verse 28. And they said to him, they're curious now, right? The gears are turning, which is good in one sense, but, but, but it's all about the motivation. It's all about what's going on inside. They're kind of still looking at this like, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Hey, they understood this concept of, of working for their wage so that they could eat, right? This is, we understand this. We know, I, I, I teach my sons the value of hard work. That it's important. Don't think that the Bible is telling us to be socialists or communists or to all be on welfare. Don't worry, God's going to take care of it. Hey, we, we read very clearly in, in 2 Thessalonians, For even when we were with you, Paul the Apostle wrote, We commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. So that's not what this is saying. Hey, don't just stop working, but what are you working for? Is that, is that the main thing? You got to keep the main thing the main thing, right? 
Jesus is the main thing. Jesus is the reason why we go and we work hard. We acknowledge him. Just as he gave thanks for that bread, we give thanks to him knowing that all blessings have been poured out through him. And they say this. So their gears are turning in verse 28. Look at this. These people, remember, these are the people who witnessed the aid of that bread. They saw that miracle. What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Well, isn't this the great question of religion? How do we do it? How do we earn it? What do we got to do? What's my assignment? What, how do I get in? This is what religion is, right? If I follow this set of rules and I do these rituals and I, and I can do this and I can climb up the stairway to heaven, Led Zeppelin. No, that's not it. But we see that. Look, this is great. That's why I put these two verses together. You can see 28 is this perfect embodiment of the spirit of religion. What do we do that we can... And there's, there's, there's a genuine curiosity. There's a, there's a genuine desire. It starts off that way, but it has the wrong idea. What can I do? And Jesus is like, no, it's what about what I do. It's about what I've done. These are the words he said upon the cross. He said, it is... Finish to tell us die, right? And look at 2090 answers and said to them, This is the work of God. And they're like, they're probably getting close, listening, like he's gonna drop a bomb right here. What is it? What tell us what we gotta do? This is the work of God, Jesus said. That you believe in him whom he sent. That's it. Believe in him. Now, I'm teaching from a new King James, and I love the New King James. But the original King James just nailed this verse better. And it's, it's in the difference of one letter, okay? It says, believe on Him. Believe on Him. Many people believe in Jesus, right? That He said a lot of good things. Yeah, even that He went to the cross, right? Many people believe, okay, yeah, He's, he's the Son of God, right? They believe in these things intellectually, but as, as, as it's been said before, so many people miss heaven by the distance of what? 18 inches. The distance between the brain and the heart. They believe these things intellectually, but to believe on Him is to lean on Him. To put all your weight on Him. To trust on Him. Totally. Put all your chips on that line. That there's no other option. That everything is riding on Jesus. This is the work of God. This is the work. He says, hey, you, not, you understand, he's telling them, that if you want to eat bread, you got to go to work. You got to do what you do for your employer or whatever your situation may be, right? But if you want to eat of this bread, right, that leads to everlasting eternal life, this is what you must do. Believe on him who he sent. Believe on Jesus. That's the work. To believe. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We see this two, these two verses, 28 and 29. The concept and heart and spirit of religion. And then verse 29, the concept and heart and spirit of the gospel, the good news. This is the good news, guys, that it's not dependent on what we do, but who we trust in and what he's done. This is the gospel. 
And of course, that radically changes the way that we live our lives when we believe on Him, right? We stop believing on and leaning on and running to all this other outside stuff that is bringing us to death. This is the definition of sin, separation from God. I'm running to anything else. This is the definition of what? Idolatry. I had this thought a couple mornings ago. Self-sufficiency. Right, so often I, I'm, I'll, I'll take care of this. Men, we do this, huh? I, I got it. I'll figure a way out. I got it. Self-sufficiency. Or attempted sufficiency in anything other than Christ is idolatry. And therefore is an enemy of God. Self-sufficiency or attempted sufficiency in anything other than Christ is idolatry. And therefore, an enemy of God. What are we leaning on other than Christ? He says believe in Him. I think this word believe is said 98 times in the Gospel of John. You think he's trying to drive home a point? I mean, that's his thesis statement that we find at the end of the Gospel. That these things have been written. That you would believe that Jesus is the Son of God. This is what he's trying to deliver here this is the, the point that he's making and look at this in verse 30 therefore they said to him and they, they missed it they missed it and so often we miss it guys therefore they said to him well what are you going to do to prove it what sign will you perform that we may see it and believe you what work will you do he's like uh remember yesterday i just fed you guys miraculously uh, what do you mean? What they? No, but so often, see, miracles in in and of themselves never sustain either. Because if you're believing only for the miracle, hey, the next day you want another one, right? Just the same way that after you ate a meal and you digested it, hey, I'm ready to eat again, man. He said, no, don't run for, to me for the signs and wonders or or the bread, the earthly bread. Because the miracle he did was earthly bread that they ate of. That wasn't spiritual bread. That was an earthly meal. And he was making a point. Here it is. They're like, what else are you going to do? Do a trick. Do a dance. People want magicians, man. People want performers. And, and, and many people are, are willing to oblige this and put on the show. Right? And, and, and we see this far too much in churches. People are coming for the show. You know? And... and it's all about Jesus. It's all about getting into His Word and reading it just like this, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Man, I don't got to do a song and dance to, 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 to go along and prove a point here. And I'm not saying that, 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 that ministering in that way, you guys know I'm all about that. But it's, it's not about the antics. It's about Jesus. Get, let's get right to the source. Let's get right to the to the point. Let's get right to the main thing. They're saying, what else are you going to do, man? What are you going to do to show it? And here they go. They're going to bring up Moses again. They're like, Moses? Remember what Moses did? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, again he says, verily, verily, I say to you, it wasn't Moses who did that. Hey, Moses was used powerfully, of course. Why? 
by faith. We know that. But it wasn't Moses. It was my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Even that manna was provisioned from who? The father. Right? This is another problem we see plaguing the church today. People are looking to man instead of looking to God. And they're getting caught up in this, hey, follow me and follow my ministry and follow this and look at what I can do. Hey, the, uh, uh, the job of a minister, the job of a pastor is to point people to Jesus, not to himself. Right? And so he's saying, hey, don't, don't get stuck there. Hey, yeah, Moses was awesome. Moses was powerfully used by God. As Moses wrote himself, he was the humblest man that ever lived. I always laugh at that. He said... Moses was the most humble man that ever lived. But Moses was writing it, right? <laughs> Moses doesn't talk about himself in the third person. Moses doesn't do that, right? There's, that was from some movie, but it wasn't Moses. He said it's all about the Father. Hey, don't, get, don't, don't, don't keep your eyes just on man. Go a little higher. Don't just look to the material. Look to the spiritual. Don't look to the temporal. Look to the eternal. Look at this, verse 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven. Who's that? Who is it? He who he sent. None other than Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior that was prophesied through all the Old Testament. And sometimes you, you study through the Old Testament, it, it can get a little, huh? What? The genealogies and Leviticus and, you know, it can be kind of, Mind-numbing at times. And when you, when you look to the pages of the Old Testament, you guys, here's the secret. Look for Jesus on every page. And everything, everything, all the sacrificial laws and rituals, they were all pointing to His sacrifice. The blood that atoned was pointing to His blood that atones and covers us who believe in Him, who have become His children, who are forgiven by his sacrifice. All these things are pointing to Jesus. Moses was pointing to Jesus. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus said, I came to give life and life more abundantly. That's what he does. Hey, for those of us who were walking in sin, all of us, we were dead. We were zombies. But he has given us life. Why? We've been born again. And this is the picture of baptism, right? That we died to ourselves, to our old ways, to who we were in the flesh. And we were emerged under the water. And we identified in His death, in His burial. And then what? His glorious resurrection that we have been born again, that we would have life. Hey, why do we eat? So we stay alive, right? It matters what you eat. You know, we've been on this journey now for almost a year and a half that we've totally changed what we eat for Amber's health, you know, and our whole family, we're all on it. We do our smoothies every day. We got our garden, right? We, it's important what you put into your body. I mean, that's science. But are we eating things, not only materially and physically, but are we eating things spiritually that are leading to death? Or leading to life? This is the question we have to ask ourselves, right? Comes down from heaven, gives life to the world, to any who would receive it. To any who would acknowledge and receive 
and surrender to him. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Just like the woman at the well, right? The Samaritan woman. She's like, where's this fountain you're talking about? He said, if you drink of this living water, you'll never thirst again. Remember he told her in, back in chapter 4? And, and so much the same way, they still, and this is, this is a problem we have as, as people sometimes, we can't get past what we can see. Our five senses, right? What we can see, what we can touch, what we can smell and, and hear. What's the other one? Feel? No, that's touch. Taste. That, was, that should have been the first one, right? I'm talking about bread. <laughs> that's, of course, that's the one that slipped the mind, right? Where we get so caught up in those things that we miss the spiritual things, that we miss the eternal things. And so we want to be looking at everything, as we we're told, through an eternal lens, right? Through, 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 through the lens of eternity of everlasting life they're like give us this bread always and look at this jesus said okay you want it do you really want it he says here it is he says i am the bread of life me not not something i can give you not something you can make not something else you can run to no me right his presence the giver, not the gifts. He's, he's bringing it home. If this sounds like a repetitive concept, good. We got to get this. Like, we got to like totally take hold of this. That's why he used that picture at the well of drinking of that water. And you'll never thirst again. He says, come and eat of me. I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me shall never hunger. Spiritually. Spiritually, we go and we run to all these other things because... We're starving, guys. We're starving. Try this. And next time you, you feel a craving, right? Next time you feel a craving for anything, run to Him. Open the Word. Go into a time of prayer. And He will meet your need. His grace is enough. He is the bread. He is everything that we've been looking for, right? But so often we're, 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 we're thinking, man, anything else, I need this, I need that. I love in Matthew chapter 6, it really, it really hits home on this concept. He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth where the moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Speaking of spiritual things, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves don't break in or steal, but look at this. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Is it on things that are spiritual or things that are physical? This is the question he's posing to us. And I love, man, that you said it in your prayer when you open, because it's, it's so relevant to this section. Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Him first. Him he is the bread. Eat of Him. Partake of Him. Feast of Him. Get filled up off of Him. And then what? Everything else fades into the horizon. Like, man, I, was, I used to live my life for that. I don't even have a desire for that anymore because I'm so filled up off the outrageous love of Jesus Christ. Man, I don't have an appetite for these things that are contrary and rebellious and separating me from Him. The partying. Right? 
the selfish ambition, all that, man, it's like, why would I run to that when I got the good stuff? When I'm eating of the bread of life, man, the bread of death, it's just nasty to me, man. That's like, I don't even want it. It stinks. That's the picture. <laughs> That's the paraphrase. Whoever comes to me, Jesus says, shall never hunger. And he who believes in me or on me, right, believes on me, shall never thirst. And we can't help but think back to the, the woman at the well. And we did messages in that section talking about, are you thirsty? What are you, what are you trying to quench your thirst with, right, other than him? He's the only thing that's really going to hit the spot. Like Mick Jagger said, I can't get no satisfaction. Well, you can't. And the things of the world, they're cotton candy, man. They're mechanical rabbits, man. They'll break your teeth. It's nothing. There's no substance there. But, but God fully dwells in Christ, right? It pleased God that the Godhead would bodily, fully dwell in Him. That everything that we need and have been looking for is found in other, none other than Jesus Christ. And he, We're going to end here on verse 36. And we'll probably touch on this verse again next week as it's kind of a transition. As we go forth into this, this, this kind of a long chapter, John chapter 6, I think there's 71 verses in this chapter. And he's really going to dig into this concept that he is the bread, right? And the first time you read it, you're like, wait, is this cannibal stuff? No, no, you've got to understand that what we eat matters, you know, like in, in all levels, materially, physically, that he is the bread of life. He said, I've, I've said this to you. That you've seen me and you do not believe. Jesus said, you've seen my miracles. You've seen my healing. You've seen who I am. Hey, we've seen, as we look and study through the Gospels, we've seen the greatest expression of His love, the greatest love letter of all time written to us, which is upon the cross at Calvary, right? Where He spread out His arms and said, I love you this much. Where He paid the penalty for my sin, for your sin, that it's been removed as far as the east is from the west for those of us who what? Believe on Jesus. Hey, with everything we got, man, that we're trusting in Him totally, that we're not looking to anything else to fill our cup, to be on our plate, but Him alone. Do you believe? Let's stop there and pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, we thank You that You are the bread of life. Lord, help us to remember, help us to be focused on that fact, Lord, as we go out from this place, Lord, and we, and we go out into the world and we, we live our lives, Lord, and we know there's a bunch of other bread being offered to us, Lord, but we know that it doesn't hit the spot, it's cotton candy. Help us, Lord, to be just totally zoned into you, feasting on you, Lord, that you would be our everything, Lord, in every category. And I just want to give an opportunity, as we always do in this place, for anybody who's listening to this message online, anybody who clicked on it, we want to give you an opportunity. If you do not know that Jesus is the bread of life, that everything you've been looking for in all the wrong places, looking for love in all the wrong places, is found in Him and Him alone. We want to give an opportunity to know that. It's not a magic prayer, but just broken, broken and, and weak we cry out to Him. And I want to encourage all that are here to, to just say this prayer as we 
just continue to reaffirm and we preach the gospel to ourselves continually. We say, Lord, you're my bread. We say, Lord Jesus. Lord, I surrender. And I give you my life. This day, I know that you are the bread of life. And I want a feast of you. In all ways, in all things. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Forgive me for my sins and trespasses. Lord, I want to follow and serve you. With all that I am. With all that you've given me. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.